Welcome to the audience, and this is Marcus Boston. I'm Cecil W. Adams. And we want to thank you for listening to another episode of The Soul Audience. And you can find me at Marcus Boston 314. You can find me at Cecil W. Adams on all platforms. You can pick up your merch, Soul merch from buyjack.com slash The Soul Audience. You can also go down and support Colorado Bob Ship of Fools at 3457 Morgan Ford Road. We would like to thank you and ask you to like, share, comment, and have your friend listen to the Slardians. And we would like you to enjoy the show. Peace. We act like this is a studio. This really just a trap. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Slardians. I am Cecil W. Adams, and there isn't a Marcus Boston today. Because uh, my guest and I are going to talk about booze, wine, beer, all the good stuff, and Marcus really can't help in that situation. Because <laughs> if it's not cognac, he doesn't know what it is. Cognac or Jeremiah Weed, he doesn't know what it is. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to welcome Stefan Spinks. Hey. Clap, clap, clap is where he usually plays this. Clap, 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 clap. I don't, I don't know where it's at because I would play it. For, hold up. Nope, nope. Don't know where it's at because I minimize it. And this is an apple. I don't know what I'm doing. Anyway, <laughs> you should have the applause. <laughs> it is okay by me, man. I'm actually just kind of excited. Never been heard about the podcast thing. Right. Never really thought I'd be in one. So this is a little bit different. Yeah, well. I mean, I sell alcohol for a living, so I mean. Right. It makes sense to be on my podcast. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. Right. So, yeah. it's uh, So, if you want to tell them a little bit of background about what you do, you don't have to name where you let, uh, where you work, but if you want to, you can. Um, I've pretty much been, I'm restaurant background heavy. Um, I went over to retail just to be able to get out of the crazy hours. Mm-hmm. Um, working on my level three. Uh. I just moved Level back. three SOM. Yeah. SOM is sommelier for all the listeners that don't know what a SOM is. And it's weird because even when I'm at work, people will be like, they'll call me over for a question and they'll see me like, what? <laughs> 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 like, really? Yeah. Um, came back from California about a year ago. Um, I moved out there because obviously the wine industry is really heavy. Yeah. Um, I started, I was doing a lot of my blind tastings and a couple of wine bars and I was starting to get on with some of the wineries and I uh, moved back here. Um, needed a change. Right. It was way too expensive. Yeah. Oh, um, I guess it. California's yeah. like, it's a good idea, but I just want to visit. <laughs> no, seriously. Like, when people ask me about it, even when I told my girl about it, I was like, she asked me, was like, what's the big thing out there? And I was like, you pay for the convenience. Mm-hmm. So, in the Midwest, you have pretty much St. Louis and Chicago. Mm-hmm. Where I'm at in the Bay, where I was at in the Bay Area, in Hayward, Oakland's 15 minutes away. San Francisco is a train right away. Right. San Jose's 30 minutes. You have a lot of options between, like, you know, speakeasies, restaurants, wineries, microbrews, distilleries. It's you pay for the convenience because the, the weather is nice. It doesn't snow. Your speed limit is it at least really seventy. Rain either, does it? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's like you have a, there's a lot more things to do, but when you get to the point that you're trying to like settling down or however you want to call it, when you realize that your life, the lifestyle that you're trying to be a part of is just not for you. Right. Like just people that are doctors out there that have, 
you know, $3 million houses and no furniture. <laughs> you know what I'm I mean? about the show, baby. Yeah, you riding around the bins, you got your Beamer 7 Series, and you're like, oh, I'm living. It's like, no, not at all. <laughs> just the 7 Series? <laughs> yeah, hey, they say that, and then you're just like, okay, try to put, you know, put gas in it. When you got to drive, when you got to commute 45 minutes to an hour, and then you come from home from work, you're commuting two hours because you're sitting in traffic on 880 and I-5. I can't. Mm-mm. Yeah. I hate, I hate trying to come back here, back to the studio from from Bob's. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, this is taking too long. But, you know, you got to realize years prior, I was like, you know, the whole time I worked at 60s, it was a golf cart ride. <laughs> exactly. It's like, it's not, it's right down the street, literally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm like I'm 20 minutes away from work, maybe. It might change to like 10 minutes here, you know, in the future. I'm okay with having that kind of drive and then getting in traffic for like maybe 15 minutes, and I'm still moving. Yeah, exactly. Like people getting out of their cars and dribbling basketballs in traffic out there. Like it's. it's I just insane. don't. Yeah, I could never. Like it's not. I couldn't do it. I just wouldn't want to do it. <laughs> I'm glad I did it because I would have never. The experiences that I got for what I'm trying to do. Yeah. I never would have got if I would have stayed in the Midwest when I got done with basketball. Fair so enough. it was a oh, good yeah, move. You're a hooper too. That's I right. was. I haven't touched the basketball in I don't know how long. I Bro, gave it up. I tried to shoot the other day. I, was, <laughs> I felt good leave my hand and come up five foot short. I'm like, oh. you over there, weight room. <laughs> right. Because exactly. <laughs> you played, you played, uh, or did you play Quincy? No. Well, I went to. Uh, NCAA D2 school and we played Quincy and then I went before I transferred Wait, there you went what D2 did you go to before Quincy uh University of Illinois Springfield oh yeah I was there and I played before that I was a uh, I played three years at College of Idaho in Caldwell Idaho right and then I graduated from UIS and you know tried to finish you know finish school and everything else right and then as soon as I started going to like combines and I got chances to leave the country yeah. oh I was gone <laughs> Right. Man, I was gone. Oh, did you play overseas? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know you played overseas. Yeah, it was You had to be quick, because you ain't big. Uh, hey, man, no, hey, you had to go, you had to put that out there. <laughs> I'm just fucking. <laughs> no, I was, uh, let's see, I'm 175. Like, when I was playing, I was one, I was, in off-season when I would do weights and everything else and eat right, I would hit 190, and then when I got to playing weight, I was between, like, 188 to 185. So. Yeah. Is it a point guard? I was a shooting guard. Shooting guard? Oh, okay. Yeah, so people are like, oh, you about point guard? No. No, no, no. Shoot. I can shoot the lights out. Dude. Hey. Where'd you, were you from Illinois? I was born in Granite City. Um, I lived in St. Louis when I was a kid from, oh, Jesus, because I used to live in Bell Fountain. Okay. Um, amazing softball fields there, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Just, that's the only thing I know about Bell Fountain. Is amazing. I used, well, back then, it was, like, it, was like a, it was like middle class when oh, I was a yeah. kid. There's some badass houses in Bell Fountain. And then we moved because it started changing. And then I went to uh, <laughs> I moved to St. Peter's in Old Fountain for a little bit. And then um, my dad got a job when I was going into the fifth grade. And then I grew up in California. So I was there from sixth grade through college pretty much. So, and then after that, my parents actually, my parents left California without telling me. <laughs> so, I got out of school at junior year, and they moved back to Illinois. And I was, I called them, because I, I was getting my ticket to go home. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, so, um, are we, am I meeting you guys in the, because my grandparents live in Illinois. Right. Both sides. So, I was like, am I meeting you guys in Illinois, or am I going back to California? It's like, oh, just come to Illinois. <laughs> and then when I landed, that's when they dropped the bomb and said, oh, yeah, so, um, dad got laid off. You know, your sister, she was at school with me at the time in Idaho, and then she left. 
She didn't tell me. Jesus. I get back. I land in St. Louis, and they're like, "Yeah, we live here now." I'm like, I was like, "What do you mean we?" <laughs> Is there a mouse in your pocket? Like, <laughs> I'm sitting. I was like, well, "What happened?" And they dropped everything on me. I was like, "Oh, okay. Well." Either I'm going to stay in the Midwest now or I'm going to move. And trust me, when I was doing my transfer to college, I was trying so hard not to stay here. I couldn't do it. But, um, yeah, um, I, I had a, it was fun. I mean, yeah. I dealt with it and then I kind of grew into it. But right. I got my restaurant in Hawaiian beginnings in the Midwest because when I get done playing basketball, I was like, ah, well, I don't want to go into a cubicle job. I don't want to deal with, right. I'll deal with people, but. Right. I'd rather be in restaurants and then... Yeah, that's how... I mean, I was the same way. Like, <clears throat> So in high school, uh, I started working at Cracker Barrel. <laughs> Great breakfast, by the way. Yeah, right. <laughs> you can go there and get filled up, that's for sure. Yeah, for the... Hey, for the L-O. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, it was fun. It, it's what got me started in it. And I was just like, man. Okay. So, I, you know, I, I liked it. So I did it. I was working at a car wash and working at Cracker Barrel at the time. And, you know, and then... <clears throat> I started playing basketball, you know, played in high school and then I signed junior college, but it was in my same hometown the junior college was. So I, uh, you know, was starting to get looked at to go on past that. And I was like, oh, well, I guess I'll just transfer to another Cracker Barrel because I was working in junior. I was sne- supposed to, but I was I would sneak over and pick up shifts or whatever just because fast money, you know. Exactly. At the time, time I could work a five-hour shift to make 100 bucks. And I was like. That's why we all got into the industry. Yeah. I was, exactly why we all did. Yeah, I was 18 years old. Like, 100 bucks was like, like, fucking like, thousand. You were gas on E. <laughs> <laughs> but I can't go anywhere I want to go. <laughs> Let me pick up a shift real quick. Get going at, go in at, uh, at four, work till nine and, or eight, and then just, oh, all right. Man, I got 100 bucks on me. Like, <laughs> yeah, because at 18, nobody is making that. No one's making money. <sighs> Everybody's worried about either, you know, the valedictorians are worried about, uh, scholarships and grants mm-hmm. then you have the people that are athletes are like man i haven't they didn't call me back on my on my visit like right. I, I don't know if i'm going and right. then everybody else is like you know what i'm gonna deal with life and then just see where it takes me oh man i i remember i, I had signed and, and when i i don't know what it was but i had a game the next day this is in college like when i was playing in college junior college mm-hmm. and uh i was i worked and then but i had to close and then all this other stuff and the game was like we we're getting on the bus at like seven <laughs> I say now I'm getting home at the time it was like 2am I'm like oh fuck <laughs> slept for you know three hours and then got up and like you know just got up and like went there and then coach could see my eyes I, I knew he could see my eyes I was dead fucking tired still uh-huh. had this amazing I had an amazing game though but I just remember that that life I was like man I really like this restaurant thing let me get to a place that serves alcohol mm-hmm. someday someday and uh, I really didn't get into the bar industry until I got to St. Louis after I went to South Dakota to play, mm-hmm. play ball, and I don't even say I went to South Dakota for college. I went to South Dakota to play basketball. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just throw that in there. Yeah, dude, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't go for college. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> they were offering the most. Right? No, it was the first. Actually, it was the furthest away from home. That's really? Why I, took it, I took it. I wanted to go the furthest away from home. It was the first fucking man thing I ever did. It was just like I'm going to go on this uh, journey on my own. That was me. Like I went when I, mean, I was going there, to fucking Idaho. Like Jesus, I was in California though. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so right. like everything's a hundred miles an hour out there. Like how I am with like even at work, mm-hmm. I move a hundred miles an hour, and people are like, "Stephanie, you need to slow down." I was like, "No," because I got six other things that need to get done in the next yeah. ten minutes. 
But then when you get somewhere like Idaho, you're like, all right, well, you have natural springs that are like north, mm-hmm. Coeur d'Alene, there's camping. I'm like, what is camping? Like, I, we don't, I don't do that. Right. Like, I go downtown. I go to clubs. And then I got out there and I got to see, like, that, the side that people talk about that's, like, really nice and mm-hmm. calm and hills and trees. And my parents made sure that me and my sister saw that on, tra- like, family trips and that right. kind of thing. But I never really appreciated it until I got to college and I was on my own. Then I was like, oh, well, this isn't bad. Like, I'd like to at least be able to have somewhere like this to be able to get away from the city. But I'm still a city kid all the way through. Like, I... I got to be around some kind of buildings and hustle and bustle and traffic. Yeah. And, and see, so where I came from. <laughs> there goes the coaster. <laughs> this is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> see, for me, I grew up in southern Illinois. So I grew up in a town of, of 550 people. So, like, I had woods and farms and all that shit around me. And we went camping. That's what we did for vacation. <laughs> and then, uh, I don't know what it was. But every time we come to St. Louis to go to Six Flags or something like that. Mm-hmm. They'd be like, oh, I could never live in this city. It's so scary, blah, blah, blah. You know, people I'm with, mom, dad, whatever. And uh, I don't know what it was. I was just like, oh, man. You're telling me I shouldn't come here and live? <laughs> Are you sure about that? I'm going to do that just <laughs> to. I was just like, it's just like uh, down the area where uh, Colorado Bob's is in Tower Grove South. The, uh, I was talking to, because there's like seven bars on that strip. Right. Right there. And uh, from Olathe to Arsenal. And they were all like, oh, man, the guy that owns this one bar, like, he's an asshole, nobody likes him, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I'm going to meet that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and now he's my, he's like, one of the, he's been one of my best, like, people to help me uh, learn about, you know, being an ownership and that type of thing. He's been great. He's just old and, and, and really frugal. So, mm-hmm. but he's still, he's, he's got it done. Like, to me... I don't want anybody to be my enemy. I'm I'm there to like learn because everybody's gonna teach me something, right? You know, even with the the bullshit that I had to deal with for the stumble the other day, it's, it's still cool. Mm-hmm. I learned, so uh, he's helped me a lot. And then uh, another guy that people don't like in that area, he's I've learned a lot from him as well. Not, nah, I shouldn't say that. He helped me get some stuff that I was looking for, like barrels, like wood barrels, right? Right. He owns the the brewery down there, or whatever, but. Uh yeah, so getting back on track. Uh, <laughs> so man, four years past. So where did you play high school at? Uh, played high school ball in California. Okay. Um, <clears throat> elementary, high school, and then from there, I was supposed to go to a JC and stay home. Was the plan because I had verbally committed. But what JC, uh, Delta in okay. Stockton, California. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was supposed to stay there. My my uh uh my roommates in college in South Dakota uh, went to Gardena. Oh, okay. They went uh, uh uh god damn it. I'll think of it here in a second. It's not MJC. That's too. It's not far enough. It's uh, uh, uh there was MJC Sac City. Those are the big ones out there. Right. I'll think of it. I'll, it'll come to me here in a minute. Uh, LA Harbor. That's south. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They went to Harbor. Yeah, that's what it was because uh like. Two of them, oh, three of them actually went to Harvard. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot. <laughs> I just go and match what's going on. It's, it was gangster as fuck. My roommate, my roommate in college is a 6'9 uh, Polynesian dude. Uh, Can't teach height. No. Dude was, he had, I will say he had D1 body, mm-hmm. but he had like a D12, not to talk bad about that, but he had D12 brain, man. Like he was, <laughs> 
he just <laughs> like he just get mad. He just always got mad over stupid shit. And I'm like, oh, this is why you're not in Division One. Yeah, <laughs> and so you'd be surprised like how many people actually have talent, and then because they let their ego, it's all ego. Yeah, they let their ego get the best of them. And then you see them go from like a Division One, then they end up at like NCAA Division Three, then they go to NAIA. Yeah. Which in talent level, there's not a difference between NCAA and NAIA. Let me just go ahead and put that out there. <laughs> no, there is. I'm, no, there is not. Between between I okay NAIA D one and uh, NAIA D one and NAIA or NAIA D one and NCAA NCAA Division Two ish, like lower end Division Two. The upper end division two NAI top level cannot fuck with the top level D twos. I don't think. I would agree with you on that, but the, the here's the thing: when I was a freshman, we were ranked number. This is in eight. Idaho, when you were not. This was Idaho. And this is a D two school. NAI D two. Okay, NAI D two. That's why I played. We, we went to nationals. Yeah. The first year we were ranked number eight in the nation. Right. We were leading the nation in uh, defensive points allowed per game. We went to nationals. And you would not believe how many Division One players and pro athletes were on the floor for the teams that were there. So when people say that there's a difference between NCAA and NIA on population of students that they get and um, some of the talent that they can recruit, yeah, yes. But when you get some of these D1 and D2 guys that, you know, the egos get the best of them and then they just want to go and they want to go play – your NCAA D2s and NAIA levels have so much pro talent. I'm like, understand that some of these teams that are ranked top three in the nation in NAIA could really mess with some of these division NCAA division, low division ones and division twos. And some of them can mess with division ones on the high end of premier times. But, I mean, you're never going to see it because no coach is going to say, hey, we're going to play in a regular season game because the NCAA division one were NAIA. They'll do it in a preseason because if they lose, it doesn't really hurt them. One second. This is one of, uh, this is doing a podcast. The great thing about technology. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> the call was supposed to be like two hours ago. <laughs> and I was like, uh, he's like, oh. Oh, my bad. <laughs> Did you ignore me? I was like, sorry, man. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of busy. Kinda busy. Your, your window closed. <laughs> well, I would never say that to him, to his face. Oh, okay. He invested a lot of money into me, so. I think. Okay, so not into me, so I can say it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, no, dude, the craziest thing I did was when we we went to Canada and we played a team in Canada, mm-hmm. uh, Brandon Manitoba, uh, Manitoba University, right? Mm-hmm. And we were just laughing because, like, oh, Canada basketball, blah blah blah, like, oh, you know, they aren't gonna be any good, you know, motherfucker. We get up there and eight. <laughs> Eight of because I did not know until going there, you could graduate college uh-huh. and then go up there and play another year uh, of while you were working. No, of college. Oh, of college, okay. Of college. You play four years, you use up all your eligibility here, you could go to Canada and play another year while you work on your, and get your master's. That's crazy. Yeah. So You could was, do that if you're Mormon in the States. Right. So, uh, uh, yeah, there was eight former Division One players on this fucking team. We got fucking worked. I was gonna say, it's like how <laughs> worked. How was the pregame speech, <laughs> dude? We were, we didn't see any of them, and then we go out. Not there. even in warmups. Well, no, no. What I'm saying is, before you know, we did a pregame speech, and we didn't see anybody bef- before uh, we played. And then we went out there, and I was like, 
We just instantly demoralized them. <laughs> <laughs> These motherfuckers are just yoking. Like they had a dude that was like, they had three dudes that were six nine. <laughs> you walk through that tunnel, it's like, bruh. We're all walking out hyped up, we're overconfident. We walk out there, we're like, oh, fuck. You look at Coach, Coach is over there on his whiteboard making notes that aren't going to make any kind of sense. Right, right. Because we need to do this to win the game. Yeah, all right. Coach, you want to suit up and play? No, I'm good. I'm retired. Yeah, so, no, it's, <laughs> Coach didn't even know. <laughs> he didn't oh, even know. no. He walked out, he was like, ah. Oh. Who was in charge of recruiting? It was one of the assistant coaches. They suck. No, it's just they made the, the schedule was made. So I will say that was that schedule was made before he. Uh, so he just taken over. He was a high school coach uh, for twenty years, and he took over. He wanted to coach college. So <laughs> after warm ups, after warm ups, we went. You know, like uh, it's warm ups, and then they go over and we talk, and we do this drill afterwards, and then we go over and talk. He's like, <clears throat> "All right, guys." It's the most sincere I've ever seen the motherfucker here. I've ever heard him say. He's like, let's just have fun, okay? <laughs> We're in Canada. <laughs> He's like, I know you guys see what's over there. I see it too. I didn't know. Not saying it's not my fault. I didn't know. But hey, let's just have fun, okay? <laughs> hey. He's a real one for saying that. I don't know a coach in America that would come out and say that. Well, you just see, I mean, our tallest guy was six eight, six eight. We had one guy six eight from Memphis, six seven from Memphis, criticizer, and it, you know, he's skinny six seven kid that was he was good, but those dudes were men. <laughs> like they, you gotta think they, they probably redshirted as as mm-hmm. a freshman. So that so they were he was a so Prentice was a sophomore when we went up there. And so I'm guessing they had to be like twenty two or twenty three. And we're all you know, he's eight, he's nineteen. Yeah. You know? uh, skinny little skinny six seven kid that could jump out of the gym, but still you know. trying to eat his PB and J's yeah. in between classes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was it was fun. But yeah, you know, uh do you think so going back to what you were saying earlier about how you move so fast and like you're you're always doing stuff uh-huh. i'm the same way like i'm always like people are like man stop working so hard i'm like why aren't you working this fast i don't understand <laughs> exactly. i think i think it's i think it's that basketball mentality where you just get shit done yeah when you've and that's one thing about sports that like i know well parents and then like just look on the outside looking in because it's like you look at high school players now you're just sitting there like oh my god yeah. and it's just that mentality of I want to be better than the next person. If someone brings me something new, I want to be able to t- own it, like take it in and learn from it, but I want to be able to build on it. There's so many people now that like are so they're content or they're just lazy and they think right. that they have their whatever job they have is just it's great, it's awesome. But it's like you need more. And right. when you want more, you move as quickly as you need to because it's like if you're not trying to pass this next exam, then you're reading something that's like, because you heard something at work, you're like, okay, I didn't know what that was. All right, let me get home, Google this or whatever, and find out what I can about it. The, uh, the, uh, I think as far as like high school athletes now, if, if they're, if they're legit, motherfuckers are finding them real quick. Like, it's like they, sixth grade now. Like, yeah. they're, it's like, they they, got, they're having personal trainers and shit. They're doing it for free. I don't get it. Like, even but back in so fat, like growing up where I was at, the, there was no workout. There, I didn't know the, about workout shit. Yeah, because I'm in a small little town. But like now, the, there's a kid. I can't remember exactly. 
Somewhere, Southern Illinois somewhere. Uh-huh. Anyway, so he had uh, uh, started with a trainer in seventh grade. Uh-huh. Did never have to pay for the trainer. Because he just wanted to help him. So when that, because he knew the kid was going to be fucking big time, yeah. big time, and he ends up uh, the kid's playing for the uh, Chicago or well, the Illinois AU Gold. Like, oh, Jesus! And now that dude took the chance on this kid in seventh grade. Now he's playing for the AU Gold. Now his name's and, out there. Exactly. Be surprised, man. It's crazy. Everybody's on. Everyone. There's always, especially now. There's so much young talent. That if it's you developing see it, earlier. Actually, it could be. I think it's because fitness has became, you know, exercises became such a thing now uh-huh. that they're starting younger, so they're being better athletes or they're developing earlier. Like for me, my workouts were picking up fucking hay bales. <laughs> <laughs> that's hey, that's honest right there, though. That's right. very real. It didn't help my speed, but it helped my strength. <laughs> yeah, I don't. The one thing that I don't get, well, I understand it, but the one thing is like the parents. So, if the parents are pushing them so much, and it happened, I'm pretty sure it happened with you when you were younger too, the kids would get burnt out, they'd be awesome athletes and players when they're in high school. Then they get to college and they just go off the deep end. Yeah. But then you also seen too that a lot of these athletes are peaking before their sophomore year, and football before their junior year. So... You yeah. have a there's a lot of that like, okay, I need to like especially in the NFL and NBA, I need to get my money now. Right. I can't wait. And because especially it, the NFL. Yeah, God, especially. Damn. Like my cousin's played in the NFL and I'm just sitting there I'm like it's like, dude, well he's forced he retired and he doesn't have anything like those nagging injuries mm-hmm. and especially the CTE. He doesn't have that as of right now. Yeah. But the good thing about it is that like he was able to retire and he's healthy. He's married, he can have a family. He's doing pretty much with well, Andrew Luck of all ple- of all people. It just happened a couple of days ago. Yeah, dude, that's crazy. I mean, smarter than him. Yeah. Why? Why would was it? What was it? The tight end for uh, San, or was it tight end or uh, the guy from San Francisco? He played like three years, and then uh, he was a like, all pro, and then he retired. He's that like, uh, I'm having lapses in uh, big fucking white dude. For the Forty ers yeah. I don't remember who it was. I know Kittle is still playing. Over there, he's really good. And then you got Calvin Johnson from the Detroit Lions. Yeah. He retired out of nowhere. Barry Sanders. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of these top athletes are retiring. And if like, you're good with your money, man, you, I think you can. You really can, but that's the thing. Either people are spending it like they have it and they don't have it. And then you have the people that are trying to do everything they can to like save and be able to have a future in it. And then because of how the market is now, no matter what state you live in, you're not making enough even though you're working as much as you want to. You're still like you're not making yeah. personally. You're not making ends meet, right? And uh, who was the guy uh, that him and his wife lived off of? Uh, like sixty, he he plays in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I think he he's like I've got a limited shelf life on working or playing in the NFL. So him and his wife Did he play were, for the Ravens. He may have. He he were he him and his wife. Him and his wife lived off of sixty thousand dollars a year. Jesus. And he just put the rest of my... Well, that's like Gronkowski. You know that motherfucker could retire? Dude, he didn't use any of his money for his endorsements. No, no, no. It was the other way. He didn't use any of his NFL pay. Oh. He just lived off his endorsement. Money. Okay. I knew he didn't use... There was something he didn't use. Yeah, it was it was his pay from the NFL. Okay. There's ice knife, you know? Okay. So, like, he... Yeah. That, I mean, you can say what you want about Rob Gronkowski, but he... Hey, dude, I love that guy. That and he's a, his whole family are freaks. Like, yeah. they're all huge. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, both, well, two, both of the other brothers. Have you seen the dad? Yeah. Yeah. He used to sell uh, weight equipment, like workout benches and shit. Like that's what he did. Like I he, wish I could have known that. It was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He uh, because he he built a, a awesome gym in the basement of in the basement of their house, and he's like, hey, you guys want to get to the NFL? You need to spend time in that basement. And so they, uh, that's why they got started on weights hella early. Because he, he built them in this gym in the basement. Dude, like the, <laughs> the Gronkowski's of the world and the Wyatt's. <laughs> All of them just freaks. Man. Yeah, man. Uh, the, uh, the funny thing about Gronkowski is he is way smarter than people give him credit for, I think. Yeah, he just had an interview about, um, he did a CBD. He was, he's sponsoring a CBD oh, yeah. thing, and he for, had the interview about it. And they asked him, CTE. yeah, and he they were asking him about you know, um, you know, why did you leave football? And he was blatantly honest. He said, "Look, it wore me down. I wasn't in a good place." And he said after the Super Bowl that he had that bad hamstring injury. He said the night of the Super Bowl and after, yeah, it looked like I had fun, but I was miserable. Yeah. And he said after that, I just couldn't do it anymore. Yeah, I can't blame the guy. I mean, hey, yeah, I mean, you, you, you. <laughs> You put your body through that so much fucking punishment, mm-hmm. and he was so big. He was like a fucking freight train running through there, mm-hmm. and everybody took pop shots at him. And everybody, every time they were hitting him because he's so big, they were giving him everything they had on every hit. Think about the hard fucking hits he had that just like broke little shit. Yeah, you know that's what luck. Luck's thing was like I was tired of getting hurt, and then rehabbing and then getting hurt again. It's like mm-hmm. just. Done with it. Well, like his last what three years were just nothing but rehab, yeah. and then he would come back and he'd play strong for a couple of games, and then the teams would figure it out. Yeah, they play the defenses on him. He'd struggle, and then he'd get hurt again. Then he had to come back. I'm like, dude, all power to you for retiring. And then the Colts, they he was, I think they said like three hundred forty million. They some well, it was a couple he hundred. Gave, million. He left. He left forty million on the table. Left it, but they gave him like twenty four. Of the forty. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's when you care for somebody. <laughs> That's when you're legit, like especially if your owner is Jim Ursay. <laughs> yeah, Jim Ursay let go of Peyton Manning to get Andrew Luck, which I get. Like Andrew Luck got fucked up, man. <laughs> Peyton was like, "I'm going to Super Bowl." Yeah, let me go to Denver. All right, exactly. <laughs> where they actually have a defense. And they actually have offensive line. <laughs> the, hey, that's the big thing. Yeah, dude, that's why Brady's lasted so long. That's the, true. The Invest in the uh... offensive line. And the cool thing about the Patriots offensive line is every person on that line learns every position. That's how it should be on offensive line, too. I yeah. mean, if you're Tom Brady, your most important side is your left guard. Mm-hmm. So if you pay a lot of money to the left guard and everybody on the on that line can play the same position, you're pretty much protected no matter where yeah. they decide to move them. And you, and you learn... Exactly what you're supposed to do in that position. That's that's Bill Belichick, man. He's yeah. a fucking say what you want about him. The dude's a fucking stud. He's a genius. And then that's why, like, a lot of your Patriots players leave New England and get these huge contracts, and then they're good. <laughs> like I wish, like, no other team in the NFL has players that are not like big time. That are they just have maybe like a they have a not even a household name, but people know who they are, and then they get these decent contracts from these other teams, and then next thing you know, you're like. Well, dang! I didn't know he was gonna. No, he was that good. Right. But you play for Bill Belichick. You play for New England. There's certain things that they have. Whatever structure they have there is working. Yeah. And the uh, the thing is, like, I think 
at the end of the day, I still think Brady's a system quarterback, but he's getting it done. I mean, if your beat, system's under Bill he Belichick, beat the fucking that team in LA this year in the Super Bowl, so I'm cool with that. Oh, that Super Bowl was so bad. <laughs> it was terrible. It was horrible to watch. I was so mad watching. I was eating more food and drinking more than <laughs> watching the game. Dude, it was really Which bad. should not happen if it's a Super Bowl. You should be able to watch the game and enjoy your time. But I was doing a lot more drinking on this Super Bowl than normal. Right. I couldn't do it. Eh, yeah. So we spent about 20 minutes on sports. <laughs> Supposed to be talking about wine and liquor. Oh, we could jump definitely into that. Yeah, let's just let's just get into that. That's what that's what we're here for. Exactly. So, uh, is everybody can hear the slurps going <laughs> as we're drinking? As we're drinking. Yeah. <laughs> what are you drinking on over there? The Kentucky. Um, this is New Riff. So, oh, I forgot his name. It's quick. Long story short, the guy that made New Riff um, owned a liquor store. Mm-hmm. And in Kentucky, you can't do that. You can't own a liquor store and distill at the same time. So what he did is that he took his liquor store and he sold it to his workers, and he made a fund for the workers for that had been there long, like a long period of time, that had like it's almost like a, not a trust fund, but it was a, kind of like that. Right. So his long tenured workers had money going back from the company that he sold them, sold it, and gave them like, look, you guys run it. Here's your guys' funds for how long you guys have been here. It's your company now, so he can go into New Riff. So he went to, he made New Riff, which is a four-year bottled and bond bourbon. At the end of, like the fall of last year, it kind of took off. Mm-hmm. And it was selling really big in Kentucky. And so usually when you're doing spirits and you're distilling, you'll do vodka. Vodka is right. like, you know, the it's the easiest market to get into. Yeah. He did bourbon, and then he also made a gin. You can't get this in Missouri. Really? Now, you might be able to get it here in the next few months. You right. might, but as of right now, you can't. And I got this in Illinois, and it's it's really good for being uh, a, dis- a micro distillery in the what's States. The, uh, what's the price point? Uh, $27.99. Less than 30 bucks. What makes what separates that gin from other gins? This one is, usually what gins are really like, they're, the one thing about gin that people hate is like, oh, it tastes like you know pine Christmas needles, trees. Christmas trees, and everything else. But what people don't understand is that gin can go through three different three different types of distillation that will allow the flavors to be different. So you have like London dry style, and you have almost your American style, but you also have the uh, oh, what is it? Um, you can seep mm-hmm. with the gin with the botanicals that yep, you're using. Yep, yep. You can just go ahead and just, that just... That's what makes the flavor is what you seep it through, right? Exactly. Yeah. So you have... if you, Let's say you're taking like your botanicals and everything else and you're you know distilling them and you're saying, okay, well, I distilled it to what I want, but I want to add more flavor. Well, I want to add more peppercorns. So you seep the peppercorns into the actual distilled liquid already and then you get more peppercorn flavor in it. That's why a lot of your micro distilleries in the States have like maybe not just one style of gin, but they have like three or four. Like St. Oh, George... No yeah, like okay. St. George and Alameda, they do a uh, barrel-aged gin, they do a botanivore, and a terroir, and a rye. And the terroir is based on the, the master distiller at St. George. He had, His parents had a cabin in Northern California by the Redwoods, yeah. and every time he was a kid, he'd walk outside and just smell the air, and he pretty much made the terroir gin off of what he would smell as a kid, so it wow. had... You, you had your, you know, your pine needles. It had your botanicals. It had your lemons, your limes, your orange peels, your peppercorns, 
and it's so big on the earthy side that most people wouldn't enjoy it but gin is that's why i like gin so much because you can actually taste the different flavors that go into it vodka you're going to get whatever flavor you want it into it based right. on like orange lemon if it's flavored basic gin is like okay do i get headaches from it or not right which is a very small amount of population and then you also have the ones that say okay well i want something i can make with a martini gin no matter what you do to it you're going to taste every little part that goes into the actual bottle Right. So it's very distinct, especially for being a clear spirit. Wow. So a lot of people think that uh, martinis are supposed to be vodka, but mm-hmm. they do. And it's uh, the way I understand it, I could be wrong, but originally gin started off as the what martinis were. Am yeah. I kind of right? No, you're right. Because yeah. like back in, if you look back in like the history books, mm-hmm. monks and friars were the most drunks on the planet right <laughs> they were the ones that started making beer right. so they were using back in like the uh, 1800s 16 16 1800s they're using gin as medicine so if you had a sore throat you got gin or geneva if you had a temperature or fever right. you got geneva right. like gin's been around forever the only thing that's older than that is meat right which meat is eh. it's there it's a it's an acquired taste it's one of those ones that either you like it or you hate it. Right. I'm, I'm indifferent. Yeah. I'm just like, I, I could drink it if I needed to. Exactly. Yeah, right. if, you, if you need to. <laughs> I mean, I could drink it if that's all that was there. Exactly. <laughs> if I had no other options, I would drink mead. <laughs> yeah. Some people, there's some, there's some places that make good mead, but I'm not. Where did you originate at? It was originated from, uh, I mean, I'm assuming London. Like, not London, but like Europe. Well, yeah, we'll say Europe because you had a lot of like, taxes and tariff laws and everything mm-hmm. else that kind of like pretty much put certain it outlawed other spirits and allowed other spirits to come to, to fruition i mean oh, you, okay there's a lot and there's a um oh, what is it they had a uh like all right if we look at whiskey in the states mm-hmm. whiskey when you're making like your old-fashioned your manhattans yeah as most people know is going to be with rye the reason why rye was made from was used to make whiskeys because corn wasn't readily available when you hit prohibition everything else corn was a later factor really so you look at like evan williams yeah you look at um old forester old forester that's the oldest uh whiskey uh distiller in the see that's the thing i'm not i don't have i know i have bourbon knowledge based on like what people are looking for now right right, and then what i'm looking for when i'm like a customer but on the history of it I'm okay in it. I'm right. not great. Right. I wish I was. I'm better with wine. Right, right. But yeah, like you're like the bourbon stuff, especially now because of you know the bourbon craze. Most people don't understand that like you can buy bourbon at any point, but the items that you're looking for that are when you go into a store and they say, "Oh, they're allocated," you're coming into the game late. Yeah. You used to be able to walk into a store and what buy Sazerac Rye, Weller Twelve Year, Antique One Hundred Seven off the shelf. Right. And then there's certain whiskeys, American whiskeys, ryes, and bourbons that don't come to certain states because, you know, the on the other end of the distillers like, yeah, you know, let's just let's put them in other states. Right. This is where the this is where we're gonna this is where the want actually is. Right. And if people get mad when it's not here, it's like, well, it's not anybody's <laughs> fault. It's not the distributor's fault. The distributor is pretty much getting what they are allowing them to have. Right. That's what. So allocation is. With a lot of your higher end, uh, tell me if I'm wrong, but with a lot of your higher end liquors, they allocate so much to 
an area. So, I mean, like, they allocate, oh, we're going to put 20 bottles of Pappy 10-year or Pappy 23-year, whatever. Uh-huh. You know, they put it in the area, and then the distributors pick and choose who buys it. Essentially. Seriously. Because yeah. in order for, when the allocations come out, no company knows what they're, the people at corporate, whether it's a distributor, the wholesaler, or whatever, they know what they're getting. But when it trickles down, they don't know what they're getting. They're just they're constantly or every week. Like when you have to do your beer and your yeah. liquor orders on Monday and Tuesday. Yeah. It's on the PO. Mm-hmm. Now when it comes on and says not on truck, <laughs> you know exactly why you, it's not. You can there. order it. You can order it, but it's not gonna be there. <laughs> oh, sorry, man. Yeah, and then people come in and like, why don't you have it? Well, that's not how it works, it's not that easy. But yeah, you're right on the allocation part, like they pretty much just dictate like how much is gonna be there and available. But what people don't understand is that if you go to a place where there's a huge city, like Chicago, even if you go to Louisville and Kentucky, you can find some of these things on the shelf. It's just that people want the convenience, so they go to their local liquor stores, mm-hmm. or they had a bottle at their friend's house, and their friend's been collecting for who knows how long, and they think they can just walk to the store and buy it. It's almost like someone going in saying, hey, I want a bottle of rum. Can I have a rum bar of Chardonnay? <laughs> It's like forty bucks. <laughs> right. Well, I don't want to spend forty. <laughs> I want right. something that's gonna taste like that in a lot lower price point. And that's you don't with bourbon because of the names and there's only a legit handful and I five houses five distilleries mainly, but they own everything. Right. That Buffalo you, Trace is one of the like they're they own it. That's Buffalo. Heaven Hill. Heaven Hill, right. So Heaven Hill owns both they make Buffalo Trace. Right. And then but the like the when the was a Buffalo Trace was the number one bourbon last year. Yeah, and it was a barrel strength. Mm-hmm. I got a bottle from my brother in law, mm-hmm. and his friend, some of his friends didn't even have it. I was like, dude, I have friends, but I understand that this is like helping you like to build your bourbon bar. Like I could care as even as a worker, I don't care about bourbon. Okay. I want to be able to drink something that like I can actually enjoy. And my big thing is Scotch and Irish whiskey and wine yeah. and cigars, but. <laughs> And cigars. Yeah. But bourbon is like the, it's the new fad. Yeah. I, I feel like the, it, I, I think it's switching to tequila, man. It is because you have your, um, your mezcal. Mm-hmm. There's, there's houses in, down there that have never had any kind of boom. And because like, uh, Vita, mm-hmm. Luminar, mm-hmm. um, who's the other one? Oh, I forgot the name of them. But, no, mezcal. Uh, Azul? Mm-mm. Okay. I don't know if they they may they may own somebody or they may make one, but I haven't had it yet. Oh, dude! No, I can tell you they make one. <laughs> Was you tell me you make one and I haven't had it? Uh, it's two hundred and fifty dollars for fucking bottle. Okay, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that bottle's double shit though. That bottle's that's the one I was talking about uh, on Saturday. Oh yeah, yeah we were talking flat, about the tequilas. Flat, the flat. We can go look at the bottle. They, no. they, we can look at the bottle. It's at it's at a place right down the road here in Seulard. Uh, that uh, I'm not. No, uh, I'll do the, I'll do the repo and I'll do the platinum, right? And 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 even when I bought the repo of the class A Zool, I was like, "Fuck, that's a lot of money." <laughs> but hey, I've had it for three weeks. So this is, I just ordered my third bottle or my third. I'm on my third bottle. Mm-hmm. That's just fifteen dollars a shot in fucking dirty South City. And people, hey, and people are buying it. Like, I don't know that much about St. Louis yet because I'm still, like, uh, moving around. But right. from what I'm hearing from, like, you and the other people in that circle, I'm like, there's some of these places shouldn't have some of these bottles on their bar. There's one bar specifically that has, like, higher-end bottles. I'm not going to name them. But I'm like, 
Does somebody really come in and actually ask for that shot? Right. I know they don't. Exactly. And that's and 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 our thing has been, you know, just to be different. Uh-huh. Everybody else does the uh, the high end bourbons, high end whiskey, you know. We're yeah, I wanna be different. We wanna be different. So uh-huh. we're doing higher end tequila and, and it's, it's selling. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's not like a bunch of drunks shooting fifteen dollar shots, but it's it's still like, you know, people that love tequila. They come in and they're like, start with one of those. Yeah. <laughs> They'll start, you know, and sip on it. And like, you know, right, okay. the phone, talk to people, sip on their $15 shot. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, the way it's been selling, I'm like, fuck, I should charge $18. <laughs> it's like, hey. That that price is not high enough. <laughs> Could have charged more, dude. It, it's 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 been fun though, you know. And like the wine thing, in the area, in that area, nobody's carrying high end wine. With but I, I don't know if it will sell. The, the, but the thing about wine too is that wine is very trendy. It's almost like going to New York for a weekend mm-hmm. and seeing what they have, what they're wearing, mm-hmm. and then coming back to St. Louis. Yeah. It, that's that's how trendy it is, yeah, and yeah. then like what people don't understand too is like wine. Certain there's a guy that owns Louis Vuitton, Moet Hennessy. Mm-hmm. He owns Veuve Clicquot. He owns Dom Perignon. Mm-hmm. He owns uh, oh Jesus, he owns so much stuff. Let's just go with those two for now. Mm-hmm. The fact that you own Dom Perignon and Veuve Clicquot, which Dom Perignon was made from a monk. Mm-hmm. We go back to the monks and the friars. Right. He made it and he owns it. He pretty much can can send pallets of that to a your mom and dad's liquor store, and is gonna make money off of it. He owns a clothing line, like the guy. That's what I'm saying. Like the guy, the guy when he made his investments, he made them right, and the marketing is what sells wine. It's not necessarily part of it is going to like a friend's house and trying something. You're like, oh, I want to try that. Yeah, big thing, but. It's also been the fact of, you know, like there's uh, commercials of wine on TV now. If you go on Facebook, guess what? There's probably going to be some kind of ad with Louis Vuitton and Moe Hennessy on it, which is Vuvuzela with Dom Perignon. So when people come in, it's like, well, the bottle's like 150 50 bucks. It must be good, right? Obviously, because you see it everywhere. It's. A, do you think it's a? I think a lot. I could be wrong, but I think a lot of times for for me, it's like. Oh, they're like style statement. Like, look what I have. I got this $400 bottle of wine, you know, but That's I can't put gas it, yeah. in my gas tank, but whatever. No, seriously. <laughs> like there's, there's, I'll, I'll say this much. There are bottles that command that kind of price point, but you have to think of the person. Who are you? Who are you as a customer? Right. Do you have a wine cellar? Do you collect only champagne? Mm-hmm. Do you collect California wines? Do you collect mailing list cult wines? Do you collect only things from France and Italy? There's a bottle that it's a winery called Bond. Mm-hmm. Their bottles start at two fifty. Are they get it? Oh, we have. We sell it. Mm-hmm. Does it this sell in Missouri? But that's the thing. If you're not a collector, then you wouldn't know that Bond is actually a really high end wine. You would not buy it. People hear a Screaming Eagle, yeah, and then they buy it. But the bottle itself is twenty three hundred dollars, starting a bottle. Yeah, so like they have a bottle of uh, Screaming Eagle at uh, the Chop House 
They have about ten thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. But your market, yeah. But your what's but they uh, bought it. They bought it for two. Hey, that's the thing. They bought you, it for two. So <laughs> hey, if your your margin based on a restaurant, if you bought it for that much, you know someone's gonna come in and buy it because it's gonna be that one guy with, yeah. that, with yeah. that metal card. It's like yeah. you know what I want that that black metal M <laughs> that's delivered to you for, with a guy with a, a, a handcuff on. You you know right? You know it's, he's got a briefcase. Uh-huh. Handcuffed to his wrist, he mm-hmm. brings it to you. The black metal. Amethyst. It happens in Vegas all the time, mm-hmm. and then we have somebody that comes in and says, "Hey, I want these wines in the in the box," and everything's French and Italian, but every bottle goes from like five hundred to twenty seven hundred to three thousand. Oh, I want at least twelve. Oh well, sir, can I get you some plastic, you know, bubble wrap for these bottles? Can I have, like, <laughs> yeah. <carry> yeah. <laughs> And, people, and, and a lot of people don't know, like these people that are wine fanatics, they spend fucking money. In wine, you have to though. Yeah, you have to. Like even if you're a collector, you're gonna spend it because you're either trying to have a bigger stick than the next guy, yeah. or you're just trying to make sure that you're always fully stocked. If you're trying to get into wine and build a palette and understand what it is that you're buying and what you should be getting and not getting and suggesting the people, then you're gonna have to spend money because you can't buy, you know, a super Tuscan from Gaia. And then suggest somebody to say, "Oh, well, you should got you should go ahead and get this uh, Sangiovese Rosso blend. That's ten bucks. You can't do that. Right. You have to be able to taste different levels of price. And there's and I'll I'll be the first one to say this. There's bottles of wine that people buy now for two hundred, three hundred dollars mm-hmm. that they will drink the same night, and the bottle was made to not be open for ten to fifteen years. And then when they come in, it's like, oh, I'm going to open it tonight. I'm like, are you going to get an aerator or a decanter? Like, this thing is not ready to drink yet. Oh, it's 2015. I, I know that. <laughs> I understand. I know, I know that. But you buy this to sell it. Like, I had a guy that asked me about it. He was like, he asked me about a high-end bottle. And he's like, Stefan, should I buy this? I was like, what are you going to do? Are you getting it tonight to prep for dinner? Or do you plan on holding on to this? Like, oh, I was thinking about dinner. I was like, don't do it. I said, because if you buy this right now, you're better off buying another bottle. Because this was not ready to drink yet. It's not made to right. drink within the next ten years. And he said, "Okay, I'm not buying it." Right. And and like I I honestly think that like uh, weed is gonna be that way soon. Missouri, you guys have a long way to go. <laughs> no, 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 I'm just saying in general, though, like it's gonna eventually get to where, oh, this was grown in we'll say Southern Illinois in the uh, such and such, you know, rich dirt soil of this, and then like. You know, oh, this was made in southern Missouri. This was grown in southern Missouri in the black dirt because it's going to have this type of taste. Blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. You know, because you know when you when you when you get into wine, it's like I learned a lot watching the documentary of uh, Psalm. No, Arizona Stronghold. Mm. Yeah, uh, the guy leasing for Tool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they were talking about oh how you can taste the minerals and the dirt of. Knowing that it's an Arizona wine, when your palate gets to that point, right, you can taste when when your palate's there, you can taste where the grapes were grown that were in this bottle. It's like fuck you, <laughs> like, like my girl was like, I went to bottle the other night, and she was like, "What did it taste like?" I was like, "Well, it tasted like a dirty martini." I was like, "I would have loved it." It was super dry, and it tasted like a touch of olive juice in your in your martini. It's like, oh, I wouldn't have liked it at all. I was like, yeah, no. Right. It's like, there's... Got it. No, seriously. Like, because yeah. my... 
I mean, my specialty is old world. So France, Spain, Italy, right. Germany. That's where I thrive. Right. But the flavors from a California cab is different from Washington. It's different from a you know a cab heavy wine from France mm-hmm. on the right bank. Like all that tastes different. But that's why when I go home, I can sit there and I can open up a bottle and I can drink it in peace. Like I don't have to worry about somebody. It's like, what do you really get? I'm like. If I explain to you what I'm tasting, you probably wouldn't understand it. Right. And that's why, like, even when I was going through my level two, I was going to um, marketplaces. Like, I was going through in the public places, like, picking up fruits and vegetables and smelling them and everything else. And everybody's, you know, some people were looking at me like, what are you doing? I was like, you got to understand, I can't tell someone that bramble smells like, this wine smells like bramble without smelling it. I can't tell people that something smells like a black cherry or a red cherry without actually having it. Is it ripe or unripe? Is it Granny Smith apple? Is it Washington apple? Is it Fuji? Mm-hmm. You have to be able to try these things and taste them and smell them in order to understand that. And you build your palate based and you build your palate based on what you eat and what you smell. But ninety percent of people don't. They just drink or they just eat. They don't understand how seasonings work. They don't understand how temperatures work. They don't understand why you would put. A risotto, probably with like a fish and something like that, or you would sear a tuna and that those kind of things. Steaks are well done with fat, without fat. What kind of cut are you getting? Right. There's so many things that go into wine, and wine is such a huge spectrum. It's intimidating. Right. So that's why people will buy like their ten, you know, eleven, ten dollar bottle. I got a five dollar bottle of Chardonnay that I will drink on a regular basis. <laughs> I do. And then people was like, "Well, I came to I came to Missouri with five cases of wine. <laughs> I came here with five cases of wine. I have a 2007 Atlas P cab that is probably still age worthy, and it's not ready to drink yet. Uh, <laughs> you see what I'm saying? I got a yeah. Brunello 2012 that's nowhere near ready yet. But I invested myself in wine and food. But I understand that things. I'm patient." Things yeah. take time. Yeah, yeah. I can't open up certain things mm-hmm. and then enjoy them. If you come over and you know, I open a bottle of wine and you actually like wine, you might have something you would never have before. Right. But understand that one, you're at oh, my you place. The Moscato? To... Oh yeah, <laughs> that Moscato Diasi, that that bubbly. People, they they they. Oh, I like wine. Oh, do you? Because I just saw you buy a ten dollar bottle of Moscato. <laughs> and that's the thing it's like you see it and you're like okay you know what I know I can't say anything you know what's crazy I've replaced two Psalms in two different states because they would tell customers that your wine is a bad choice and da 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 and you can't no matter what industry you work in I don't care if you're in insurance mm-hmm. you cannot tell people that it's not good for them they have to be the ones to find that oh yeah that's shit wine like that would you, right they're dude. spending money there's there's a couple labels I, I will never buy, mm-hmm. and if it came into my place and it was sitting on the table, take it back. Right, I don't want it. But mm-hmm. wine's trendy. It is. Uh, have you seen Gary Vee's wine? Empathy. Gary uh, Vaynerchuk. I have not. He uh, so Gary Vaynerchuk. I talk about him all the time on the podcast, but he uh, he owned Wine Library TV. Okay. On YouTube, he's one of the first people to talk about just to be on YouTube. First off. But uh, he just came up with a wine. So he took his dad's liquor store because he focused on wine. He took it from three million a year to sixty million a year. I remember, yeah, I remember the story about him. I see him all. The, oh, same, dude. I see him all the time on Instagram. He was big, good friends with Nipsey Hussle. Yeah, that was him one of his good Nipsey friends. Were, yeah, they were tight. 
Yeah, and uh, he's he's not. I mean, I don't. No doubt that your palate is better than his, but like he can sell some fucking wine. He's got a new wine out. It's called uh, Empathy. So he's trying to build his dad's uh, wine business from. Mm. It's been at sixty to. He's trying to build it to a hundred. Like he's trying to help him, but he has all this other shit he's doing. He's that's one dude that that like I base my hustle on his, mm-hmm. and like I'm trying to catch up with him. You know, the dude's always on the go. He, uh, <clears throat> I haven't had the empathy yet, but, yeah. Well, look, guess what I'm looking for now? Empathy. I'll find it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty good at finding See, things. I, I, I will I, find it. I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> no, he's doing things all the time where, like, uh, you know, oh, uh, buy three cases of my wine and you'll get a five-minute, uh, FaceTime with me, blah, blah, blah. You know, he sells it. And it's, I, I haven't had it yet, but I'm going to get a bottle. I feel like we're probably, if we do, if we do any future podcasts, I want to make sure that we'll bring a bottle. Because mm-hmm. I already drank the one that I brought. <laughs> <laughs> that one's already gone. <laughs> it was a Reno Verde, man. Like, it was, yeah. it's supposed to be gone. Yeah, yeah. How much was that one? Uh, nine, ten bucks. Hmm. But the good thing about the one thing about Vita Verde is that it's not an actual. Usually, you see like Cab Merlot and a bottle of wine. Mm-hmm. It's not the actual grape. It's a region, and it's in Portugal. Uh... So the when you see this means nothing to anybody but me. But when you see a bottle that's like this, right? It looks like a Sauvignon Blanc bottle. Okay. Really slender and tall. Right. Usually with your Vino Verdes, they're in that kind of bottle because they can actually put carbon dioxide. You do carbon, you use carbon dioxide, and it comes from making alcohol anyway. Mm-hmm. It used to be thought that the actual grapes that were used for Vino Verde were giving off the effervescence, but the effervescence is coming from the carbon dioxide itself. So there's Vino Verdes you can get in Portugal that don't have like the bubbly feeling, mm-hmm. and this bottle has when you think champagne, prosecco, whatever. It has the effervescence of it, but it doesn't have the body. Okay. So this one is by like body. The, what do you mean by body? Body is more or less like is it is it light? Is it medium? Is it heavy? It's okay. only like drinking like a Pinot Noir compared to a, to a cab. Okay. But this one is nine percent alcohol. It's a white wine. It has bubbles with it, but it's not sparkling. It's not champagne. It's not prosecco. It's like it's a still wine with the effervescence to it. Okay. So. Uh, one thing that I I know people that are going to be listening will want to know when you talk about aged wine, uh-huh. how long it says it's 2015, is that how long the grape is kept? Is that what it, or, or is it the, the, the juice you make from the grape? It's the harvest. The harvest. Okay. So whenever you see a vintage on a bottle of wine, it means that that's when the grapes are actually harvested off the vine. Okay. Now, when it comes to the aging process, every there's no laws in the states that say that a cab has to be aged in oak for this long, because you have to remember too that some of these wineries are using, you know, French oak, American oak, straight white oak. So they go that like far area. into depth where the, mm-hmm. the 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 what the barrels made of matters. Let's put it uh, on my end. In certain wines, yes. Right. For certain other people that have the certifications that I don't have at the moment, right? they will preach that it is. But American oak tastes different than French white oak. Because American oak imparts more 
flavors. So, like, if you're on a grid, and mm-hmm. we're okay, let's say we're talking about like whiskey, mm-hmm. bourbon. Mm-hmm. Bourbon is made from at least fifty-one percent corn right. at the minimum. When you're we're tasting corn, it's sweet. Mm-hmm. You get vanilla. Well, vanilla comes from oak, but you get the sweetness from the corn. Right. When you're looking at oak, oak can impart like oaky flavors. You can impart vanilla. It can like spices, whether it be sweet or it could be like not hot, but like more. Um, I don't know what I'm looking for. <sighs> Let's just say like between sweet and spicy. Right. Think of like rye. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you're looking at oak for wine, if I have a wine, a Chardonnay, and I want to put American oak with it, it's going to impart buttery flavors, vanilla flavors, creamy flavors, because that's what our American oak is known for. Right. But if I do French oak, French oak is going to be very neutral when it comes to the nose, but on the flavor, it's going to be extremely clean. And that's where you find people that are looking for like those, you know, histamine-free, sulfide-free, which is not possible at the moment. We're working on it. But they're looking for those wines because they either don't want the creaminess, they don't want the butteriness, they don't want those imparted flavors because it's just not what they're looking for. And those clean flavors come from old world like Italy, France, and Spain because they don't impart anything outside of where the grape is coming from the vine. In the States, we have laws that regulate what we can and can't do. But when it comes to old world, those laws have been in place for hundreds of years. They don't go outside of that. So, you went, you went down a hole right there. I loved it. Yeah. I mean, that's your knowledge right there, you know? <coughs> the, uh, the funny thing, the funny thing about the wine industry is like, no matter how nerdy you are about it, no matter what you do with it, no far, no matter how far you go down that line with uh, with wine, mm-hmm. it's always getting different. It's always going to be different. Very trendy. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, you see it. Like some people will come in and buy a certain bottle of wine for like a year or two, and then the new crave comes in, then they end up buying a case of that one. Right. And those are the ones that like they they like wine and they enjoy wine, but they don't understand their own palates. And wine is depending on how deep you go into it, you need to understand your palate before you try to go into other things of wine. It's like the same person that comes in and buys, you know, the same bottle every single day. Right. You suggest like a French wine or something else to them. Like, they might whoa, try whoa, it. Whoa. They'll try it, but then they'll say, Oh, I'm gonna go back to this bottle. A lot of people just aren't very experimentative and they like to have their everyday bottle which is nothing wrong with that but the people that want to try other things they understand like oh well france california washington tastes completely different i mean they're growing some of these wines over in texas and in north and south carolina that we can't grow in missouri but you guys have the norton grape which saved (laughs) the the whole wine industry and that's why we have some of these other you know high-end wines that are not here they're all in California and other places. The uh, and that's what people don't understand is uh, that you can go so far in a depth with wine that it like like <laughs> you can't be balling a budget and fuck with wine. <laughs> you can't if you if you if you're with somebody that like actually knows wine they will tell you look I know that's really good and I know they want that. But this one tastes probably better, and it's a lower price point. 
Mm-hmm. But you got to remember, the one thing that people don't understand is that wine is huge on marketing. Mm-hmm. And it's very trendy. We have one uh, uh, upstairs, is a machete. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's all marketing. Like You see the pictures on the bottles, like, okay. True. But the Papillon is by far my favorite. Like, if you ever make it to the winery, he does Orange Swift. Where's the, the, uh, where's the winery at? The winery is in, oh, it's not over, St. Helena, sorry. So it's north of Napa. So okay. if you go on specifically Silverado Road, <laughs> <laughs> hey, yo. you'll pass Mum Napa, Frank Family, and you'll bump into St. Helena. You got to cross over to the highway. But when you get to Orange Swift, he has a cab port. It's awesome. And then he also does a rose that is, it's gone up in alcohol every oh, year. But it's like, okay, normal roses are between like maybe 11 to 13. Mm-hmm. Orange Swift has done, he's known for doing high alcohol wines. Is that uh, Machete's Orange Swift? Right. Yes. Okay. Um, he does a, a rose that is between 15 to Machete 17% wine. alcohol. Wow. And when I tell you that it's worth, yeah. <laughs> it's actually worth it. When I was living in California, I bought one every single year and it's awesome. The the pictures on the front are what sell that fucking wine. I mean, his wine mm-hmm. sells, but like it, it it's the shit's cool. Like it's cool. It's like the, the the chick with the machete that's on the front of an old Cadillac or something like that. I think. He's yeah. got that one. The Papillon is um. He's got hands that spell out Papillon on the fingers. He's got abstract Papillon Palermo. Um. He does a Pinot Noir called oh, Pinot Noir. Got it. and <laughs> <Savignon> Blanks. <laughs> Merlot. <laughs> Cabernet Savignon. <laughs> and that's oh, what's man. so crazy. Wine, even beer now, man. Like, it's all... Nice. Beer's insane. Like, you can't... God forbid someone comes in. Like, I had, a, I had someone ask me about Planet of the Elder. I'm like, you can't get it in Missouri. Right. How can I get it? Do you have a friend who lives in the Bay Area? No. Well, are you going to fly to the Bay Area? No. Well, then you cannot get it. Right. <laughs> well, it's even like lining cool. I'm not lining cools, but uh, 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 wait for it. East Coast. Uh, oh, um, damn it! You can get it in Kentucky. The, the beer, yeah, you can get it. <laughs> There's a brewery that made a beer. Oh man, what is it called? I'll think of it in a minute. Uh, and it was bad is that we both know exactly what it is. Yingling. Yingling. Whew. Thank God. <laughs> you, know, you can't get it east of the Mississippi or west of the Mississippi. Was it east of the Mississippi? No, west Kentucky. of the Mississippi. West of the Mississippi. You can't get it. You can't get it, but you can't get it. And you can only you can't get it outside of Kentucky. Mm. Here you can. It's the East Coast, so you can get it. I get. I first time I ever had it was in Georgia, in Savannah, Georgia. I'm pretty sure the state line probably like cuts no. outside of Georgia, doesn't it? I don't know. I know you can't get it west of the Mississippi. So we'll go I'm, with that. Yeah. We'll go with that. My bad. We talked about wine. I got specific. I apologize. Yeah, yeah. So, but every time I go to Louisville, I always try to bring back some tall cans. I can't do bottles. No. Tall cans. No. Tall cans. No. It's... It, <laughs> to me, uh, uh, it's not even. It's, it's cool, super but, sweet. But it's a, it's a. Think about it. It's a, it's a good domestic style beer that yeah. people cannot yeah. get. Yeah, yeah. And that's yeah. what alcohol is built on. Mm-hmm. I want it. I want Elmer T. Lee. I want Weller Twelve Year. I want Weller Wentigue One Hundred Seven. I want Pappy Twenty Three Year. Like in Pappy Twenty Three Year, my brother isn't that great. 
anything that, that's the thing about whiskey in general anything that's outside of actually bourbon anything that's outside of like 12 years mm-hmm. you're taking a chance on because yeah you'll have the procedures you actually have it but does it taste what you're looking for right and it's with bourbon because we're americans bourbon is built on the name the flavor is it's it's probably really good i haven't had anything past a, a pappy 12 i haven't right dude anytime that i saw anytime i me my dumbass can sell an empty <laughs> bottle of pappy 23 years an empty bottle with the bag on the front of it for a hundred bucks empty bottle it's a sale i'm like i didn't have to pay anything for the bottle but i sold it for a hundred bucks like i'm like oh shit this must shit must be fucking amazing that's a win right it's a win and, and i think that like uh supposedly done in nashville they have this thing anytime they sell a football to pappy no matter what year it is uh-huh. it's a big fucking thing like everybody's like it's a whole party whole party and they just throw the bottle on the fucking ground and, and break it rude well they, they do it <laughs> they do that so no one Gets a bottle of Pappy and and then fucking uh, fills it with other. Bourbon. Oh, that's why they do that. Like it's like a badge of honor. Like even you, like get to do that. And I'm okay. all like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> I bought. I bought. I bought. I, I, okay, so third bottle of Class A Zool, right? The two other bottles I sold online for twenty five bucks. Right, <laughs> empty bottles. Yeah, empty. Twenty five bucks. You give me money. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> that. So what people, those motherfuckers that are, are breaking those bottles, if I'm the owner, I'm like, hey, motherfuckers, <laughs> like, chill the fuck out. Don't step, just, don't step so, on those. So that took my, my $89 I spent for one bottle of Class A Zool. Uh-huh. It takes it down by 25 bucks. It's like driving a car off the lot. Yeah. <laughs> still, it's still, it, 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 it stopped the cost. I mean, it cut the cost down by $25. Like, that's what I don't understand. Like, yeah, I get the bar industry to me, when you get into mixology and then like people like me, this you know Colorado Bios, where it's all like having fun, getting drinks out, speed bartending, uh-huh. that type of shit. <clears throat> There's such a disconnect between that level and then these mixologists that are like, you know, like oh, I've got this. For instance, I met a, a guy who's from Austin, Texas. Okay. Uh, very so, huge sommelier, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Best in area we're, in Texas. That's where huge. My, my homies. Uh, that's uh, uh, the level past pe- level three, whatever that is. That master song. Uh-huh. Yeah, he he got his master song, and he he got a job, and they're based out of Austin. Uh-huh. So like, he's making a fuck ton of money doing it. But the guy, he owns a bar. I want to give him a shout out, but I cannot remember the name of the bar. But he owns it. Uh-huh. And uh, he was talking about, I had to own the bar for probably 12 days. And I met this guy. He's like, oh, I came here because I looked up the, the best dive bar in St. Louis. And you know, I'm in town. I came here, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, that's awesome. We ended up hanging out for seven hours. <laughs> I was driving around St. Louis. I was driving through Soulard. And, you know, he had a he had an Airbnb down in Soulard. And, uh, but he was telling me, he was like, yeah, man, like, really big mixology like i have my signature cocktails because they take too long to make he's like i have them kegged up 
the smart and then run him off taps. I'm, he, he was like, yeah, so I have the pressure set to this on some, but then I have the carbonation set on this on, on some. And I'm like, Stop. what? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, what? I'm, like, <laughs> I'm just like, huh? <laughs> and he's like, look at me like, oh, how long have you been in the industry? I was like, 16 years, man. I've never seen shit like that. But you got to remember, like, but when you're in a big city, yeah, you're you're going to have your um, speakeasies and all that yeah, stuff. And that's yeah. those are called for, a, like, if you order a drink, you're supposed to sit there for, like, five to ten minutes and yeah. wait for them to bring the drink over. And a place like this where St. Louis is known for, like... <clears throat> I would say Planner's House. I'll give them a shout-out. Of all places, Planner's House. Have you been there yet? Oh, yes. Went there. They have um, Sunday chicken... Oh, was it chicken dinners or something like that? Or chicken lunch? Chicken brunch? Uh, I doubt it. Uh, the guy that uh, runs it worked for uh, Gerard Craft. Oh, I might be Gerard thinking Craft. of a different place. He worked for Gerard Craft for like 15 years. Uh, that dude, Ted. Ted, the guy that owns that. They're like, oh, he's the most popular bartender and the best bartender in St. Louis. And I'm all like... Hold on. <laughs> He's the best male mixologist in St. Louis. But let me hold. Mm. There's a difference between mixology and bartending. Well, yeah, obviously. But I mean, they're both the same. There's different, different, like, it's like the AL and the NL. Mixology honest. takes time. Yeah. Bartending, you're trying to make sure that everyone gets served and you're able to handle more people at once. Mixology, you're there because your cocktails taste Awesome. Yeah, but and, and I love I love that shit. Mm-hmm. And I'm people, with it. I love yeah, mixology. I love it. I love it. You know, I, do I want to buy a bunch of ten dollar, at least ten dollar cocktails? Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes. Actually, me and me and my girl actually went there. Yeah, we went there. We had they had a pork belly dinner. They had a pork belly. They had a pork. They had a pork belly entree. No shit. Awesome. Okay. Now I've never eaten there. I've only had drinks there. That's the thing. Like I ended up having a very rich dinner, mm-hmm. so my stomach did not agree with me later. But the food was awesome. But I can't get mad at the, if you have a you know a whole drink menu and everything's copyrighted and trademarked. Right. I'm okay with that. And you know, like for me, it's like for me because the people I'm around they would they they don't appreciate it. But I didn't either until I. You know, ventured out. Yeah, man. Yeah. I think that's what separated me from everybody else. You know, going into Bob's, it's like, we are going, once all the renovations are done, we're going to be, you know, I call it a uh, new age dive bar. Like, I want to have a nice old fashioned that you can, you can drink. I want to have, it's an unusual margarita, which is basically like the mezcal with the infused like jalapeno margarita mix that I squeeze from fresh limes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to get to that. And will it work? I don't know. If it doesn't work, no big deal. Hey, but that's the thing. You build your brand, but you yeah. also understand when you're building your brand, you fail fast. Oh, yeah. You, I always fa- you always fail forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. That's just like Class A Zool. Like, I didn't know if it was going to sell. I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And look, you're on your third bottle. Yeah. In three weeks. <laughs> I'm on my third bottle in three in weeks. In three weeks. <laughs> like, that, shit, that shit's like, you know, I, I get why the first bottle went. Mm-hmm. The first bottle was like, $15 fucking shot. Oh, let me try it. And yeah, I'm on my Tinder day tonight. What's happening? It's same that. It was like these old dudes that like tequila. They're like, oh, I need to taste what a $15 shot of fucking 
Tequila is, isn't but it? at that age, though, you really have to taste that. You should have at least tried it by that point. Well, yeah, but then we got out of South City. Oh uh, yeah, it is St. Louis. So yeah, yeah. I mean, but <laughs> but not talking about St. Louis, but yeah, it, it, they uh, every person that has drink it has been like, holy shit. Well, Casa Azul is actually it's good. It's really fucking good. If you're going to spend the money. For a tequila, Classy Azul is one of the ones you would want to spend your money on. Because, and then, and then you know, especially if you're buying it, if you're spending, you know, if you're, I mean, you know that, I don't know if people know this or not, but uh, retail on liquor is not that different from what we pay as bar owners. True. A lot of people don't know depending, that. Depending, I don't know what the Missouri side of the liquor no, still, and everything still, else. It's still right on. Because in California, we you have to have leaders. Mm-hmm. In Missouri, I don't know what it is out here. I have no idea. So, like, uh, a bottle of red vodka cost me, fuck it, I don't care, $4.72. <laughs> but do you get it, like, if they say, you buy a case, you get, like, six bottles of this flavor for free or whatever? When you make deals, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, special events and shit, yeah. When they're trying to get something new in, yeah. Yeah. But the basic I mean, commission stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, like, if you're just buying, like, a bottle of Class A Zool has cost me $89. You you go to the, you go to the, you go to Randall's, it's gonna cost you eighty nine dollars. <laughs> well, no, it's gonna cost you like no. Actually, I don't think there's any markup on those. Like the high end shit, I don't think there's big of a markup. Depends on where you go, probably. Right, right, true. I'll give you Depends that. Depends on where you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. But then, like you know, you know, my my rail is cheap as shit, and so like I'm paying four seventy five, charging three bucks, like. Yeah, two drinks paid for that bottle. Exactly, pretty much. And and you know, like, was it twenty four drinks you get out of a bottle usually? Of a liter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I I base mine on twenty two, just because of you know loss of bores whatever. Yeah. You know, I, I probably should lower it to eighteen, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> I have a dream. I have a dream that we're close. We are building it. We're building a brand. We're getting there. Right. <laughs> and uh uh. It's 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 funny how like people that come into the bar, you know, people I know, and they're just like, you know, like last night, one of my homies I've known for years, uh-huh. just like walks out on this tab, like you're supposed to get it for free. It's like motherfucker. <laughs> I texted him, I was like, hey, motherfucker, dude, your tab was thirty bucks. <laughs> He's like, ah, I'll get you next time. I'm like, fuck you, dude. Like, why are you gonna do that to me? Well, you know, man, I'm your homie. I'm like. I still have to pay. I have things I have to pay for. I have I have to pay to get this liquor in, bro. But that's it's it, not free. D- true, but that's the thing. Like when you have, when you are a bartender or a bar manager, or you own the place, you have friends that will come there and understand that you're running a business. Mm-hmm. You have friends that will come there looking for the handout. Yeah, and the friends that look for the handout are the ones that always come in. It's like, hey, I brought like three people with me. They'll run up a tab once every six months, and then it will tip you, which you're supposed to get tipped that one time, and then they will not. They will barely tip you every every other time they come in. Yeah, and it, it, it's, it's it's like the, the the best people that come in are uh, somebody that's gonna be on the show another time. Uh, but you know, he comes in and like I tried to buy him a shot the other night, uh-huh. and it was like. He wanted fucking fireball. <laughs> fucking fireball. I was like, 
fuck. Let me get that antifree. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was like, <clears throat> I buy a shot. And then, uh, so I got my shot, which is Espelone. It's my favorite tequila right now. Price point wise. I got a bottle of the silver at home. <sighs> it's so good. I love it. <laughs> yeah, you're buying it at 26, we'll say. Still at five bucks a shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so making money on that. That shit is so hot right now. I'm ordering two cases a week of that. Wow. Out of my little place, two cases a week. But case is six for them. Well, six. Hey, he's ordering two cases a week, but he has hibachi <laughs> on the weekends. Not anymore. He just quit yesterday. No. But no. But wait, there's more. <laughs> it was great. Don't get me wrong. Uh, he decided that he wanted to do something else with his business, which uh-huh. is fine. That's totally cool. I'm okay with it. I've known the dude for years. Uh, you know, we just couldn't see eye to eye on some stuff, uh, which is fine. I'm not. I'm not mad at him. I wish him nothing but the best. You know, but uh, now we're gonna have some some dope ass fucking uh, barbecue in there. So, hey, I like barbecue, especially yeah, with beer. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we'll go through a transitional thing. Mm-hmm. You know, people come in there expecting a bocce, and it's it's not there. And you know what? It, it sucks that it didn't work out because I love the dude. I love what he can do. Mm-hmm. We just could not. Could come to terms. We had the terms. It just. I, I'm. Impatience is what I'm going to say. Impatience. I get that. Yeah, impatience. Especially you get that a lot to be not to cut you off. No, you're good. You get that a lot, especially with like the generation that we're dealing with now, like between hiring and then like keeping people on. A lot of the younger generation wants to have it now. I want that, you know, manager position. I want to be this. I want to be the GM. I want all of that. But do you have the experience for it? Well, I was. You know, I was over a couple of people over in my department. Well, you don't have the experience for it, so how can I give you that job? Everybody wants everything so fast and so now, and the experience is just not there. And it's not even just in the restaurant, bar, retail industry. It's based on just, like, people coming out of... It used to be just people coming out of college and making money as a bartender or whatever, and like, you know what, I'm going to stay doing this. Now you have people that are not even going for... The degrees going into jobs. Well, I've been here for six months. I should get a raise or I should get a promotion. No, you had mm-mm. no, no, you haven't earned that. You, you haven't. So, how can you come to me and say that you deserve this? It, because it, <laughs> it makes absolutely no sense. I, I understand where they're coming from because I was there. I know you've been there. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm doing all these, I'm slinging all these drinks, I'm making this kind of money. I should be doing this. I get that, but can you handle the inventory? Can you handle vendors? Can you bring in new items? Can you make new cocktails? Can you do a seasonal menu? Can you have people coming in asking for you as their bartender every single weekend? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things that go into that whole kind of like, like cl- not class, but that, that area. And everybody doesn't understand that because a lot of people don't want to work for it now. Right. And and you, know, the, the biggest thing I deal with is I can't, I have somebody working for me that like won't even send out a Snapchat. The right. people that let them, right. know, let them know that they are working. And I'm all like, look, you're, you're, you're piggybacking off of my social media because I send my shit out. Mm-hmm. At least show me an effort. Sure. At least show me an effort that you're, you're trying. I don't have a Snapchat. I don't say anything up. Right. <laughs> well, it's different. You're not bartending right now. 
True, I'm not. There's trust me. There's plenty of times I wish I was back in restaurants. I'm like, oh man, I miss it so much. But I digress. There's reasons why I'm not in the industry, but it is what it is. You know, it, it's 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 not even like Snapchat is the best hand to hand combat right now. It's With locations and everything else, yes. Yeah, well, I'm saying like you can they can see who's working on the map. They yep. can see, but then also you can send them. You can send somebody a direct snap, like, oh, hey, I'm here working, you know? Come and here. Then, and then they're going to have to pop the notification on their phone. It's going gonna, it's gonna to show up on their phone. They're going to see the notification. Like, oh, let me look at this. Mm-hmm. And then, like, you know, that's it's the best way. It's so great. <laughs> it, it's so great, you know, for, for and it doesn't cost you anything. True. It's free marketing. Yeah. It's free marketing. Let's say you send it to, let's say... 40 people. You get 10 people that open it up and you get seven of them that come in. Dude. At, at, at $10 a piece, that's not a $70 used rank. Mm-hmm. And let's say that they all tip you 10 bucks. That's another $70 that you made that day. In your pocket. In, in your pocket. So that's why I'm having the hardest struggle with this person that just won't post on their social. I'm not asking you to post every day, mm-hmm. but if you could just, I mean, it doesn't have to be on your Facebook, it doesn't have to be on your Instagram, I know you think you're going to be Instagram famous, which is cool, right? but just snap the shit out, just send it out, <laughs> send it out to, to help me help you. <laughs> help me help you, and my camera hard help me help you, that's not Kevin Hart. Uh, which one? His that's last, his, his, his last stand up. No, that's uh, that's Tom Cruise. Last one too. That's Tom Cruise and uh, Jerry Maguire. Okay, I'm thinking help of... me help you with Cuba Gooding Jr. Sorry, I'm thinking of the black version. <laughs> Cuba Gooding Jr. is black, <laughs> believe it or not. Uh, are you sure? <laughs> he was in the handcuffs three weeks ago. <laughs> what? Oh, you didn't know? No. Oh yeah, he was in the handcuffs a couple weeks ago. He had five zero right behind him. For what? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie to you. I don't remember what, but it was not good. Okay. When you're a celebrity, and you're in handcuffs. It's not for sure. It those? wasn't a movie. <laughs> it was not a movie. You were not getting paid to be in handcuffs. Right. So here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking maybe, maybe you should consider doing a podcast talking to people about wine and shit. Wine and shit. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm joking. <laughs> I don't mean wine and shit, but it's it's funny that I say wine and shit. But like, maybe consider it. Like, consider, consider. You know, start with one a week and breaking down wine and whiskey to people that don't know no better, and maybe just increasing knowledge. You know, that's the thing. I'm always down for. I mean, because I teach class, I teach wine spirits classes and all that stuff too. So I'm always down for it. It's just one of those things like because my schedule is so like up and down, mm-hmm. it's dedicating the time because one, I don't have the equipment for it. <laughs> Two, <laughs> it's trying to find people that will I like, know a guy that has the equipment for it. <laughs> <laughs> I know a guy. <laughs> it's me. I'm the guy. <laughs> well thank you. <laughs> but then it's also trying to like it's because How about if you if you record it 
if you if you want to come in, bring people in, like talk to you know what I'd love to hear. I'd love to hear podcasts between you and maybe somebody that's a level three that you're trying to get to. Uh-huh. Maybe you guys talking about wine, him talking about that, or 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 meeting with a uh, uh, cicerone. You know, uh, for people that don't know, a cicerone is a beer, basically a sommelier, sommelier version of beer, right? Yes. Uh, you know, I know a cicerone. He's only level one, but he's still cicerone. But like, you know, that type of shit, talking about the high end type booze, booze, beer, wine. You know, talking about this stuff. I think there's a lot of there's, there's a market there for that. I think in, like, for what this is, because this is the first time we're actually doing it, why not have a wine guy, a beer guy, and a manager guy all in the same room, and you just go ahead and just, not ramble off, it's like, okay, so what's big in the market right now? Yeah. What are you looking for? And just have all of us in the room, just like, yeah. you know what, let's just, we all drink for a living, right. and we're really good at what we do. Let's, why not just bring us all together? Yeah, and just go we can, it. we can, we can. I'm down. We got to get a fourth mic, but <laughs> <laughs> we only got three mics right now. We only got three. That's all we need right now. We, That's all we need. I need, I need people to go to buyjack.com slash the Sulardians and buy some merchandise <laughs> so we can buy a fourth mic. <laughs> I mean, because in this industry, you don't, you can't be in this industry and not enjoy what you do. Yeah, I can't enjoy what I do for a living. And not drink wine and everything else. I can't have you as a bar manager and owner not enjoy the liquor industry and then not enjoy what you drink on the side. We can't have a guy that actually, I know a few people that do, and they know more. How, they, they're bourbon connoisseurs. I just know about the stuff. They can actually break things down and actually say, you know what? These are, things, these are what you should look for from this distillery. Mm-hmm. And this is why. Like, Shot in the dark. There's a um, Amber T. Lee. Mm-hmm. Sour mash, bourbon, everybody's looking for it. I will tell you right now, you can find it. But the odds of you finding it in you know, your immediate chain liquor stores, even your smaller ones, are very tough to come by. Right. There's other ways to go about it. But you have to be willing to go outside of your comfort zone to find that. You can find E.H. Taylor. You can find Weller. You can find, um, not Jefferson's, uh, what's another one that's in there? Uh, I, I don't remember. <laughs> it's tough. It's so much bourbon. Oh, we'll just throw like um, Heaven Hill Six Year. The 100 proof bottled and bond, not the 80 proof that they're, I mean, that they're putting out now. You have a lot of ways to find these bottles, but you have to understand where you live. Mm-hmm. You're not going to find some of these things in certain states. Mm-hmm. You're not going to find them in every state. Right. You can find them in other places, but you have to be willing to either have a friend that lives there or to actually go and do these whiskey lotteries. Actually go and go to these distilleries and ask questions. You'll be surprised what you will find out by asking a simple question like, can I get this? Yes or no? Why? They will not disclaim, they will not tell you everything, but they will give you a general idea of why you cannot get them, and they will at least let you know, if you're really looking for it, this is where you can probably go to get it. But there's a lot of people that don't 
they don't they don't want to search. They would rather it's a convenience. So and, people just want the nicest shit and don't want to have to search for it. Exactly. It's almost like going like, okay, well, I want to have this three hundred dollar bottle of wine. Uh-huh. Awesome. But you can't get it here in Missouri. But the winery will send it to you. Well, you can't get it for me. But unfortunately, the guy, the distributor that we go through, doesn't get it from the wholesaler that gets it. It's a three-tier system. And most people don't understand that. And if they understood that part, there's a lot of questions as a bar manager and even as working and selling alcohol and spirits that people would understand. But because they don't understand the three-tier system and how we're at the mercy of the wholesaler and the distributor of the state that we can't get everything. Do you think it's a good job being a distributor for the state for something like Pappy's? Are you like the, hmm, I want to trickle this down on everybody else. I I decide. It's fun for them. It has to be. (laughs) It's got to be fun. Like, I can't sit here and say that I would not want to be that guy. Because I would love to be say, you know what? (laughs) I know you asked for three cases. Here's a bottle and a half. (laughs) (laughs) I'd love to be that guy. But but then you look at somewhere like 801. It's like that Pappy's 23 year was selling for between $150 and $200 an ounce. Yeah, but most people are. They paid 100 bucks for that fucking bottle. Yeah, but they're not. The, most people that are going to go for that. They're not. Here's the difference. There's people that will spend the money to have the bottle in their collection. Mm-hmm. There's other people that are going to buy the bottle to flip it. Which yeah. are the people that, no matter if you're in any kind of part of the industry, you don't want to actually have to sell to them because mm-hmm. they're, all they're going to do is just take the bottle. If I'm going to ask you for. A bottle of Belvedere. And it's my favorite bottle on the planet. Oh, Belvedere is the shit. If I'm going to ask for it, mm-hmm. I'm going to drink it. Right. For the simple fact, I love Belvedere. Now, personally, I really don't. But if I'm, I'm acting like a person I personally that wants it's it. My favorite, it's my favorite. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> I, see, I, could drink, I could drink two bottles in one night. I wake up the next day. I'm like, mm, I'm ready. Go. Oh, is that a Belvedere challenge that, accepted? That just, challenge accepted. That shit is that clean. <laughs> like... So if uh, people don't know, the more a vodka is distilled, the less of a hangover you have. And uh, so you take someone like Tito's. Uh, Tito's just took it up to 10 times. Do could be wrong? That I don't know. Between, but they... between 6 and 10. It used to be 6, and I think it's 10 now. But then you take somewhere like Belvedere, it's distilled 23 times, I believe. Huh. And then like uh, uh, Kettle 1. Is you know like spicy kettle one. Well, I like kettle one. Kettle one. I guess we have a bottle right here, right now. Yeah, so read the label. Is handcrafted small batches using traditional recipes from Nulty Distributing in Holland, founded in 1691. Holy shit! Yeah, very old. And then they part. They started putting out commercials not too long ago, a couple years. They don't say how many times it's still. It's got a one. They don't have to. It's got the whole uh, lineage of uh, the distillers of the vodka. I wish I would have been a distiller. Yeah. I will. I went into wine. Uh, so, if anybody knows, 
How many times Kettle One is... I, I've never woke up with a hangover, hangover from uh, Kettle One. I will say that. Kettle One's good. I like it because it's on the, the spicy note. Yeah. So, kind of wait... It, for me, it kind of wakes me up if I drink vodka. I do not drink vodka at all. Unless it's a Bloody Mary. Right. Dude, the best Bloody Mary mix I've ever had. Do you like dill pickles? Very difficult. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, McClure's out of uh, Detroit. They're a pickle manufacturer. They make jars of pickles, but then they started making a Bloody Mary mix. Uh-huh. Oh, dude, this shit's so fucking fire. <laughs> Why are you whispering? <laughs> I, because, like, I kind of want everybody to know about it, but then it's like... Like, I want to... I, I he care. doesn't want anybody but me to know. <laughs> I kind of I want it just to be a Bob thing. Yeah, like, I, I, I'm trying to find where I can buy it. Where can I get it? Right, it's expensive. What's it called? McClure's. McClure's. Actually, I can make you a Bloody Mary with it. I have a, two jars upstairs. Because they bottle it in fucking pickle jars. Sir. Yeah. Uh, are there tacos involved? Because it is Taco Tuesday. I mean, I mean Taco Tuesday where? Everywhere. Hey, don't threaten me with a good time. All right. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, oh, tacos? I kind of want some tacos now. Hey. Mm-hmm. Way to go, Stefan. Thank you. Oh, you were, you know what? You were a goddamn one. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh,. Yeah, we're at hour 36. Let's just uh, wrap this thing up. I'm down. Seven, can people find you? Do you want to put out socials? I, know you're I really ready. don't, you're but ready. I will say this much. I do have an Instagram page that is called Suave Sommelier. Hmm. You can follow me on there. I Spell it out. Oh, well, I have to look at it now because I don't, I can't just tell you verbatim that it's actually going to spell the way I think it's going to be spelled. But, um, if you're, well, actually, nobody knows me, so this is awesome. But, um, there's only like nine people that would listen to this, so it's fine. <laughs> Don't be negative. <laughs> I'm not being negative. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's Suave Sommelier, S-U-A-V-E-S-O-M-M-E-L-I-E-R. I haven't posted, it is, but my cousin actually picked out the tag name, so I was trying to work on a an extra Instagram page for just wine, spirits, cigars, and everything else. And then he came and was like, why don't you just call yourself Swasimal? Yeah, I'm like, that's an awesome idea because it wasn't even taken. So I have... Because it's a fucking huge fucking Instagram. I don't care. If you really want to follow me, then you will type those letters in. Fair enough. (laughs) Does your girlfriend even follow you on Instagram? Yes. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, shut up, Cecil. I can see her being like, ah, "Babe, I love you," but it's like it's so much typing. It's it's so it's so much work. I know it is, but I mean, it is what it is. I do alcohol for a living. We're both foodies. Oh, dude, it, you guys. I mean, you guys work, man, and it, it's awesome, man. I'm so happy that you're here now with her. Like, I've, for you guys that don't know, I've known his girl girl for longer than known him. Uh, she's actually been on Darian's podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, she actually told me uh, on Saturday. She was like, "Stefan's coming on your podcast before I am." <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, 
Yeah. I'm about to ride this one out. <laughs> Trust me. <laughs> I was like, yeah, guess what I did. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, we're going to talk about booze. Like, what, why wouldn't I have one? Yeah. She's like, but I, I want to be on your podcast. I was like, it's okay. I've been here one year and I've been on a podcast. I'm okay with that. <laughs> but it's with Cecil. So, right. feel some type of way. <laughs> uh, it's so funny because like, before I knew who you were, I knew, I knew you guys were dating, and it was like, she talked about you, and then I met you, or whatever, you know, and, and then, like, she was like, wait, I was part of, she was like, but I was, I'm part of the gaggle. <laughs> I was like, I know, but Stefan's super cool, like, he knows about booze, and you don't, and she's like, gave me these, like, puppy dog eyes, I'm all like, don't make me feel bad right now. <laughs> That's the thing, like... If, for all those that are listening, like, I was really the ghost. Like, the only person that ever saw me was Laura and her... Oh, I, I, dro- I dropped the name. It's alright. Right, she's fine. already been on a podcast, so it doesn't matter. Uh, Not on mine, but, like, on, on these. So, uh, I mean, Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> we're good. Okay, whatever. So, Laura and her mom were the only ones that saw me. And Laura knew... She's known my family for so long. Right. So, like, when it actually happened, it actually was... Coming, I was moving back here. Yeah, it's like, oh well, this mystery guy that we've been <laughs> so much about that she's with, we're actually gonna see him and meet him. And I'm not gonna lie, I was scared as shit because, like, I'm like, well, like, Laura, I know you, but nobody right. knows me. Right. And then I'm coming to a state that, like, I don't know mm-hmm. I, at all. I've been here for a year, not bad, right. I enjoy St. Louis. I like it. <laughs> I'm glad you're here, man. And hey, like, I'm glad. Hey, I'm, I've re- I'm glad you make my friend resi- happy. I have a residency here now. Right. I'm glad, you're, <laughs> I'm glad you make my friend happy and you guys get along. And then, like, when she told me you guys were moving in together, I was like, whoa. Everybody said that. I was like, I was like oh, what? What? <laughs> what? It, that's a real thing? <laughs> <laughs> she, was, she was like, like, I don't know how to feel. I was like, I don't know how to feel about how you feel. I don't know what to feel. <laughs> all our friends were like, uh, are you? <laughs> no, I was thinking like, oh, oh, are you, are you, are you pregnant? Is that why you're <laughs> There's another reason. You're not doing this on your own accord. There's no reason. <laughs> uh, from oh, Newtown Pineapple Company. <laughs> oh, man. South City. Oh, to South City. And then, like, oh, I wake up on a Sunday. Guess what? You're an Uber right away. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. Yeah, man. So, the Suave Sommelier on Instagram. I'm not going to spell it out because I couldn't. Uh, I'm at Cecil W. Adams on all platforms, and then you can always follow the uh, Sulardians at the T H E Sulardians on uh, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, I'll tell you what, man, this has been a lot of fun. I, this blast. was fun. I didn't know what to expect going in, but this, I had a good time, right. a good ass time doing this. I'm glad you liked it, man. You know, as always, uh, what does Mark always say? Love yourself and love 
something. I don't know. Love anyway, cognac. Love cognac. <laughs> love the cognac. That's a new tag. Yeah. Love the cognac. <laughs> Hashtag love the cognac. Hashtag love the, the wine. Yak. <laughs> Hashtag love uh, gin. Uh, hashtag someday uh, we'll get paid to talk about liquor on the air. Hashtag uh, these Lardians. Hashtag these South City, South St. Louis. Uh, also, uh, don't forget if you enjoy this and you enjoy what we're doing, come by the hashtag Kobo. Hashtag Kobo means Color Bob Ship of Fools at 3457 Morgan Ford Road. Yep. And I appreciate all you guys. And uh, until next time, peace. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here?